0: Sienna Marabella, and you're listening to the Honey Soleil podcast, bringing you all things wellness for your mind, body, and soul. guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today I sat down and chatted with Katie, the founder and CEO of the company Inner Glow Circle, which specializes in getting women the proper training to get licensed as a coach. So a life coach, a business coach, it's so interesting and this is something that I'm particularly interested in and I've been interested in the coaching industry for a while now and it's so special to be able to sit down and talk with someone who has built an entire empire around this and today's episode is filled with lots of advice and empowerment for female entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs. And I think you guys will really gain a lot from it. I had a great time talking to Katie and let's just get into the interview. Hi, Katie. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today.
1: Hi, Sienna. Yeah, I'm really excited too. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. So first off, before we dive into everything we're going to talk about, can you tell us more about what you currently do and kind of how you got to where you are now?
1: Yeah. So I own and run a company called Inner Glow Circle. We do life coach training and certifications for women entrepreneurs and people who want to become entrepreneurs. And that's really my focus, working with women who um, want to become entrepreneurs and or become life coaches. So we serve both of those markets. And I started my journey Um Back in like 2010, I was at my third job in New York City. I had moved there after college. I I went to Vanderbilt and was just going from job to job and couldn't figure out what I wanted and what was gonna make me happy. And so eventually I hired a life coach and that started to lead me down a pathway of realizing that I would be a really great life coach and that everything that was kind of natural to me that I loved doing um, that I was often doing for free with people and friends, I could actually get paid for and get paid really well for. So that was my start.
0: Oh, wow. So what was the process when you went to a life coach? Did you have like a specific goal in mind? And what was that process kind of like?
1: You know, I was I was just really overwhelmed. Um, I had moved back from New York. I was working for my family's business. I was going back to grad school for... Uh, functional nutrition, and I at the same time was starting my first company, which was an organic spray tanning business, and I just had my hands in a lot of different things and mm-hmm. was really um, unclear on which direction I wanted to go on. On so I was doing that thing that a lot of us do, where I was like doing trying to do it all, but yeah. you know, <laughs> obviously unable to do it all very well or perfectly, mm-hmm. and so. I ended up having, um, you know, wanting to hire a coach to kind of help me prioritize and figure out what I really wanted. So I wasn't like, just like, you know, being and doing all these different things with mediocrity that I could figure Mm -hmm. out what I really wanted to be great at and and thrive.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Did you, did you sort of know growing up that you wanted to be an entrepreneur. This is something that you wanted to do because I know you had your spray tanning business, but did you stumble upon kind of entrepreneurship through the journey or was it always there for you?
1: You know, I, I knew that I was different than everyone around me. I always kind of knew that. And I, I never felt like I totally fit in or that I thought the way that other people thought or that like, um, the pathways that other people were taking that were very normal for them. Um, it, it didn't feel like it, it was for me, you know, it felt like I was different and I wasn't sure exactly what that meant or what path it would take me down, but I knew I wasn't like everybody else. And I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. So oh, nice. it wasn't really until I had, um, many experiences of like internships and summer jobs and my first few jobs out of college that I realized like, Oh, I really just don't like working for other people, <laughs> yeah. it's really hard for me, you know, and I, I really struggled to like, just follow, like blindly follow direction. Mm-hmm. I was thinking all the time for myself. And a lot of times the things I was being told to do by bosses and stuff didn't make sense to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. That totally makes sense. I feel like I'm the same way with that. And that's why I think being an entrepreneur and kind of doing things your own way is pretty much the path for most people. But when you were, so back to when you went to a life coach and you kind of decided that that's what you wanted to do, what sparked that? Like what made you want to do life coaching?
1: I had worked with a life coach and then I had also worked with a nutritionist or a nutrition coach, like a health coach for a short period of time. And I just thought like they both just seemed really happy and to be enjoying what they were doing and <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't enjoying what I was doing I um I was sort of forcing myself to be okay with it but mm-hmm. I didn't I wasn't finding happiness and purpose and those people look like they were and I, I just knew like I'm I'm good at this stuff I'm good at listening I'm good at asking questions I'm good at acknowledging people and giving reflections and helping them see and acknowledge their gifts like I'm good at all this stuff so if I'm good at it why would I not do it Mm -hmm. you know and that's where um I started to make some changes and look at programs and it all kind of Grew from there.
0: Oh, I love that so much. So with IGC, you've built like this amazing coaching company. Now, when you guys train coaches, is it specifically to be just a general life coach or is there different genres? I don't really know the coaching industry that well, but like, what do you guys train for?
1: Yeah. So we teach you how to coach anyone around oh. anything. Okay then what people do is they take their specific interests and life experiences. And, um, if they have a current business, you know, their expertise and their focus with that and they tailor their business and create a niche from there. Oh, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. So like you've cultivated this large scale business. I'm, I love it. Um, do you think that it's important to launch and adjust through the process because I'm a perfectionist and I struggle with, launching because, you know, you want everything to be perfect, but do you think it's better to kind of just go into it and then adjust accordingly?
1: I think you have to test. And I think as an entrepreneur and an entrepreneurial type person, you have to be okay throwing things out there and just trying them and seeing how the market responds. I mean, you have to get market research. Like Mm -hmm. the problem is that we get so in our heads and, you know, the kind of pathway of creativity with entrepreneurship is like you'll have an idea Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and the idea will start to like grow and percolate and you may or may not share it with other people and um the idea might get like more and more clarity and then you start to work on it and then pretty quickly after that you start to doubt it and you start to question it and you start to question yourself and you start to wonder like am i really capable And so from there, what happens is we don't, we often don't take action. We often don't do what we said we were going to do and we kick the can. And so like, yeah, I fully believe that um, entrepreneurship is about experimentation Mm -hmm. and that you have to be willing to experiment. And a lot of your ideas are going to flop. Like that's just part (laughs) of it. And that's the other reason why I don't think like, Look, I'm a very intuitive person. I'm sure you are too. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people listening are as well. But like being intuitive doesn't um, save you from ego. So like we might, think we have a really good idea and we get really hype about it and really into it and really like, um, this is the thing, this is the thing, this is the thing. And at the same time, it might not be what the world needs right now. Or like it just might not... It, there might be another iteration of it, so mm-hmm. like you have to keep creating and and be brave enough to keep showing up and creating, but not be so committed to how things look that you're mm-hmm. not open to new information or of you know evolving the concept or whatever. So I think like I'm a perfectionist too, mm-hmm. and I'm a Libra and I'm like slightly <laughs> like, like, OCD I like feel that. and so. Um, I totally get the perfection thing, but to me, that's one of the biggest things I've had to work through as an entrepreneur and a CEO is like launching before I feel ready.
0: Yeah. I totally feel that because like perfectionism, it's like a disease almost because you just want everything to be perfect. And you keep, if you keep striving for perfection, you're never going to launch. I feel like. Totally. Yeah. So what were your steps in kind of creating IGC. Like I know you had that, um, self tanning business and then you moved and transitioned to IGC. What were the steps that you took?
1: Yeah. So the first thing was like, I, I I just was paying attention. So when I was running my spray tanning business, it was called whole glow and Mm -hmm. I was mainly serving women. Um, and I was like, I, you know, I was, doing all of this market research without knowing that I was doing market research. <laughs> so I was constantly talking to them. Like I was obviously talking to my clients, right? Which like yeah. sounds so normal, but I was doing it in this way where I was constantly gathering information. Mm-hmm. And I was realizing that like people, I mean, I just would ask like, hey, how are you? Or what what made you, you know, what brought you to come get a tan today? Mm-hmm. Which maybe is more questions than, you know, most beauty, people. Ask. <laughs> yeah. But I just was asking like normal connecting questions and people were really like opening up and spilling their beans. And what I started to mm-hmm. realize was that, you know, one, I must have some sort of gift if people are just so willing to be open with me so mm-hmm. fast. And two, wow, women like really need to talk and share and yeah, they're for, sure. for a beauty appointment, but they're leaving like with something else, they're like really coming, mm-hmm. looking for confidence or security or, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, guidance or friendship or direction. It was like so much deeper. And so we, I started to talk to people about like their inner glow and their outer glow. And I started mm-hmm. to also feel that, um, in addition to having my own experience working with coaches, that I needed some more training to be able to have these conversations. Cause my tanning clients were really opening up to me and I was just like going there with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I just was like having the deep convos and I was a little bit worried that maybe I was going to be having conversations I wasn't equipped to have. And so that was the other piece that really urged me to go through training, uh, a coach training program. Cause you know, it seemed like the easiest way, like not getting, a master's in psychology over, you know, trying to do that overnight, but doing a year long course as a coach. And um, now we offer a coach training program. So I I started my private practice. I started hearing from a lot of clients that they were looking for more community that as they worked Mm -hmm. with me, they were changing and they were changing fast and their old friends weren't fitting the bill anymore. And so I decided at the time I was doing a lot of work locally, not just online. And I'm in Washington, D.C. And so I started hosting these like monthly get togethers and we would, you know, host these little women's circles. And it started off as like seven people in my living room. And then it grew so big that I had to like buy another house. Like, I mean, (laughs) yeah, the only, but we started to have like 40 people in the room and it was so fun and it was you Mm -hmm. know we would take donations and i would meet people and people would bring their friends and like people would just have these amazing breakthroughs and they'd be sharing and they'd be crying and they'd be so open and people were coming back every month and saying like that my events had changed their lives and that meeting the other women in the room had changed their lives and so I knew I was on to something, and that was really the start of i g c
0: Oh, I love that that's so sweet, and I feel like we all strive for connection and just like being around people that you can kind of gain from and learn from that's so amazing and um, so you started i g c and then you saw that it was getting bigger, it was growing. When did you sort of outsource and like when did you become okay with outsourcing? because I know a lot of us are like really it's hard for us giving up. Our business and, and businesses and like giving up parts of the job. So when did you kind of start doing that?
1: Honestly, I started really quickly because I wasn't going to be able to be spray tanning my clients and then also mm-hmm. life coaching. And then I also had a full-time job. So I had a full-time job. I was running my spray tan business on nights and weekends. And then I was starting my life coaching business as I was going through training to become a life coach. And the great thing about coaching is that you can start while you're in training. You don't have Mm -hmm. to wait to get your credential or to be certified. And so I wanted to do it. Like I wanted to like push myself and start getting clients and start getting hired and I wanted to make money and I wanted to see like, if this was something I was really capable of. So in order to maintain my full-time job was like, you know, my, that was like my investor. That's how I looked at it. Mm -hmm. And so in order to maintain that and also maintain whole glow and my private coaching practice at the time, I needed to give something away Mm -hmm. and so I I really like the first step that I took was I looked at what was the easiest thing to outsource, what was the Mm -hmm. easiest thing that I could train someone else on that didn't require me and I was just learning how to coach so I couldn't outsource that yet but Mm -hmm. I had gotten really great at spray tanning and gosh I don't even know how long I had done it on my own but maybe like Mm -hmm. six months. And so probably about six months in, I decided to hire someone else. I decided to hire help. And I don't remember, to be honest, Sienna, Mm. but I'm guessing that one of my coaches probably pushed me and was like, what do you need to scale? And I was like, I'm going to need help. And they were like, then you have to hire help, you know? Yeah.
0: that's that's amazing so when you're so you train for women to become coaches now what so if i were to go to a life coach what would kind of like a first meeting be like for me
1: yeah i mean they'd want to know really high level like what's working in your life and what's not working in your life and that means like with your relationships with your health with your business Mm -hmm. your confidence like How you feel about yourself. They really want to look at all areas of your life and give a full assessment of Mm -hmm. what's working and what's not working. And then they want to know like, what are your goals? And specifically, what do you want to create? And by when do you want to create it?
0: Mm -hmm. How long did you personally work with your life coach and the coaches that you worked with?
1: Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I've worked with so many people at this point. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like three months, it's short. And then other times, It's longer term, you know. I I have worked with people for years, Um, so it looks different, you know, based on where you are in your life and what you need and who you need. I think Mm -hmm. we need different energies at different times.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. So I feel like embarking on the journey towards success is a lot about your mindset, and you seem like you have a really Good mindset. So, what do you think are, in your opinion, the key aspects to having that entrepreneurial mindset?
1: I think the key aspect to having an entrepreneurial mindset is to just make giving up not an option. So, we Mm -hmm. always joke about like you have to take giving up off the table, (laughs) but it really is true. I think that Mm -hmm. if you take giving up off the table and you tell yourself giving up isn't an option, then you get this beautiful gift back, which is, you know, resilience and persistence, and you dig deep and find aspects of yourself that you didn't even know existed.
0: Mm, Great. I love that. And I think taking away the giving up option just makes it like, it's non-negotiable. You have to uh, persist through it. I love that. Totally. And I mean, this kind of goes along with it, but I've heard of the term wantrepreneur and I feel like I sometimes fall guilty of that. How can someone work through the wanting to taking action?
1: Well, I think it depends. I mean, I don't know the details of your business, obviously, but Mm -hmm. it looks to me like you have a business and you don't have to share right now. We can talk about it
0: later. (laughs) In a coaching session. Yes.
1: (laughs) Right, right. We can follow up with that. But like, for those who are listening, I would say to you, um, like when you say entrepreneur, does that is is that because you don't have a business at all and you just really want to be an entrepreneur or is uh, yeah. it because you have the foundations of something, but it isn't mm-hmm. making money the way that you want it to. Like, I think mm-hmm. that happens for a lot of people, um, who are kind of building a brand, like, Mm -hmm. what's the difference these days between building a brand and building a business and being Mm -hmm. a personal brand versus like a a business and a solopreneur i think i hear stories from people all the time that like when i look at like how many followers they have and their presence and how they show up i'm like this chick's making so much money and i find out that like they're making nothing or just like very little and they're like you know this happens a lot with like I'll be recording podcasts with people mm-hmm. and the hour like the times that they're they're available I can tell that they have a job because like oh. they only record yeah. like weekends right and I'm like god this is so interesting like it's just and it's not bad but it's just yeah. so interesting to realize like how many people are side
0: hustling True, and Mm -hmm.
1: and and like do they want their side hustle to be their full-time hustle or not because some people don't so i can't sit here and say like oh you need to go full-time in your business because Mm -hmm. xyz it's like and that's the thing you learn as a coach like you can't run the agenda you don't get Mm -hmm. to set your clients goals for them you don't even get to really like push them in the direction you think they could they should or could go like mm-hmm. your job is to challenge them and stand for them and make sure that they're um, getting uncomfortable and growing and transforming. But you cannot guarantee or run the agenda for that person. Mm-hmm. You have to truly find out what they want and then partner with them to get there.
0: That's amazing and. If someone did like they work a full-time job and they currently do a side hustle like YouTube or something social media wise how do you think or any kind of business how do you think they can transition from full-time to making their side hustle their full-time job
1: I think you really need a plan and I would I walk people through this all the time because a lot of times like our our coach training is a six-month program and then after that Mm -hmm. we have um, a graduate program that's available to people and you know, a lot of times that six months is not enough for someone to Mm -hmm. leave their job. Sometimes it is, but some people it takes them longer. And that again, is like not a bad thing. Like it's just what you need. And so often in our graduate program, we're walking people through uh, either how to transition out or how to make a plan to transition out. And so I think the first thing is figuring out like, okay, well, what do I want? And by when do I want to leave completely? And by when do I want to do it? Or do I want to like go part time or what a lot of people will do is like they'll go, uh, they'll become an entrepreneur essentially and bring their, the current, the company they've been working for. If Mm -hmm. it's still like a healthy relationship and you like working with them, bring them on as a client so that the the dynamic is different. Right. And maybe, Mm -hmm. um, you know if, if, there, if you become a contractor rather than a full time employee, and let's say like you're not getting benefits anymore, or um, just the agreement has changed, the pay structure can change too. Like it could change to in your favor where you're getting paid more, or it could be less, but like you're working way less time. Mm-hmm. So you just have to remember, like, these things are not binary, it doesn't have to look this way or that way. We get to play in that space of the in-between and say, okay, well, what's my ideal scenario? My ideal scenario is that I don't just leave this job, it's that I phase out of this job. Okay, well then part of my project plan is like having a conversation with my boss and Mm -hmm. writing, maybe that means like writing up a possible transition plan and coming super prepared to that conversation. So there's just so many ways to go about it, but I think the main thing is figuring out what you want to do and by when you want to do it. Otherwise, people get like totally uh, caught up in the like, Mm -hmm. I'll leave someday kind of, (laughs) you know.
0: Then it'll never happen.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I totally agree with that. And I think having a plan is absolutely everything. One of my favorite quotes is uh, fail to plan, plan to fail. I'm very type A and planning is, I think, super important for most people at least. But there is, I mean, you probably balance a lot because you are a CEO, you have so much going on. Can you kind of touch on balance a little bit, specifically balancing your multiple priorities while also maintaining self-care? Because I know that's important for everyone.
1: Yeah, I think that self-care has to be on the list. Like I think Mm self-care has to be one of, and, you know, typically the most important priority. If you start there, I think in general you'll be good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, in order to like not totally lose it and go crazy, you have to really figure out like, what am I committed to creating at a high level? And like, Mm -hmm. let's say, you know, we're like, we're trying to phase out of that job. Well, then there needs to be a plan. And the way that plan will look like on your calendar is be spending less and less and less time each week. Even if it's only an hour or two hours less each week, you're going to be phasing out spending less time at that job Mm -hmm. and more and more and more time on your business. If you don't do that, if you don't like allocate your time to align with what you say you want, then -hmm. you're not actually prioritizing what you want. Right. Yeah. And so you have to come at it from that like strategic planning mind of like, okay, well, if this is what I want, then I actually have to set my life up so that this works.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I, what is, what's your, well, not really self-care. What's your current like morning routine? Because I know that those are so important and that's kind of self-care, but what does a typical morning routine look like for you?
1: To be completely honest, I'm not like a big morning routine person. (laughs) Like I'm not, I don't, Yeah. Have like a consistent routine, but Mm. it's uh, the one thing that is consistent is that like, I don't wake up and like get on my phone right away. And I don't wake up and start working right away. Like I just give myself space in the morning to, um, I don't know, like get into my body and like feel the way that I want to feel. And if I like reach for, I don't even keep my phone, like, in my bedroom it's like in the hallway connected but wow. like yeah i just don't because that shit will keep me up and oh, i feel that <laughs> i just i like try to make like make my boyfriend leave his phone out too like i just don't <laughs> that's good, like yeah.
0: it you know right mm-hmm.
1: so sometimes in the morning i might read or um mm-hmm. i always make tea and oh, that's nice. I'm not really a coffee drinker so mm-hmm. i don't have like that you know religious Mm -hmm. practice every morning but I do drink green tea and I'll I always eat something for breakfast um unless I'm trying to like intermittent fast but like that's not Mm -hmm. my favorite
0: thing (laughs) (laughs) I feel you on that I can't do it (laughs) yeah
1: so yeah I I just try to flow with what I need and Mm -hmm. like you know what does my heart need do I need to take like a really hot shower and just like kind of process my thoughts? Do I need to call a friend? Do Mm -hmm. I need to hop on the phone with my business partner pretty early on? Like what's most important that day? And what do I have space for? Like if I'm not in the mood to check my email, I'm not going to check my email first thing and put myself in a bad place. If I need to like prioritize a project, like a writing project or, um, like I've been working on my first book, oh yay yeah (laughs) that's amazing last year (laughs) and a lot of this year it's a big big thing and because I have a full-time job as a CEO that has been like my side project and my side Mm -hmm. hustle so I wish I could have put more time to it every day but it just wasn't Mm -hmm. it just makes sense for me um and so like if I'm gonna prioritize writing or editing in the morning. I certainly don't want to get like into social media or email mm-hmm. kind first of thing cuz then I'll I'll just get caught up. It swallows Same. the
0: whole. Right? It's very and it's- reactive and I definitely don't like doing that in the morning. I think the way you go about your morning is very intuitive. And I feel like that's the best way to kind of know what you want and forcing yourself to do stuff in the morning is just going to put you in a bad mood. So I totally love that. What would be one piece of advice that you would give someone who is wanting to launch a business? They want to kind of venture on the journey of entrepreneurship. What is a piece of advice that you stand by?
1: Gosh, I mean, I think you just have to go for it and, know that there's going to be barriers. But like I said, it would be the thing I said before, which is just take giving up off the table. Mm -hmm. Be willing to evolve, be willing to shift, be willing to grow, but don't give up.
0: Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And that is actually everything that I have question-wise for you. I think this has been such an informative and inspirational episode. I feel like I definitely learned a lot from it and I'm so happy that I had the chance to talk with you. But before we go, be sure to like let everyone know where they can find you, everything like that.
1: Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at it's Katie DePaula or at inner glow circle. And then you can find us online at inner glow um, For those of you who are looking to get clear on your purpose and what you want to do with your life, we have a really great, Assessment called Find Your Glow. We say glow is your greatest level of want, what you most want for yourself and the world. So, um, you can find that at slash purpose.
0: Amazing. I'm so excited. I will link all of that in the show notes. And I'm excited for your book to come out. Do you have a specific date for that or a time frame? Because I can't wait.
1: I think it's going to be December 1st. Ah, We're so can, excited like, about that. Keep pushing it because of all this yeah craziness in the world like it's I just feel a weird time <laughs> very weird time. um and 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 so devastating and then also hopeful mm-hmm. like there's so many things but very true yeah it's just we've just been trying to find the right timing and um yeah I, I think that'll be it
0: I am so excited and once you put the book up I definitely want to have you back on the podcast so we can talk all about it but yeah, yeah thank you so, so much for chatting with me today
1: Thank you so much, Sienna. You're so awesome and I love
0: what you're doing. Oh, thank you. That was the episode with Katie. I hope you guys did enjoy it. And if you did, be sure to leave a review and five stars on iTunes. I really appreciate your guys' reviews and everything you say about the podcast. It is so amazing to read that stuff. And if you want to connect on Instagram, the podcast Instagram is Honey Late Podcast. Again, everything is linked in the show notes along with where you can find Katie. So I hope you guys enjoyed it and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Okay.